Pamela Cunnington, and this is Havilah's Podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining me today, and it's a new year, which means we got new goals, uh, new vision, hopefully new purpose, and we also need some new tools. I'm one of those people that I grab a bunch of books and things that I want to to utilize for the year, and it's my responsibility to grow. It's my responsibility to give myself to equipping and discipling my life, and so um, that's really what my heart is for you as you listen to this podcast. You know we don't do it a ton, and when I do get on here, I just want to make sure you're getting kind of the the simple uh, part of Havila Cunnington and what we do over at Truth the Table. And so today, really, I'm I'm. I, feel, I wish you could see my face because I'm smiling and I'm probably going to talk really fast because I'm very excited. Today, I have my friend and really hero in the faith, John Bevere, is a guest today on the podcast. John, welcome to the Havila podcast. Well, if you could see my face right now, I'm really <laughs> smiling because I have the utmost respect, honor, and love for you and Ben and love what you're doing for the body of Christ. Oh, John, thank you. You know, we really connected uh, early on, Lisa. They have four boys. We have four boys. And we connected early on with the fact that someone said, you need to find people of hope because you're going to feel like you're not going to make it without them. And I found a picture of the Bevere's online and like posted it as my screensaver. And I was like, those are my people of faith and, and people of and, hope. <laughs> and yours and Lisa's course on mothers yep. of men. Yep. Still Messenger International's number one selling course. Is it it's really? Crazy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, historically, it's the number one. Isn't it's that crazy? Like, I love that. No, well, because it's so appropriate to today. As a matter of fact, I just interviewed my, my assistant's getting married and she's going to oh. move to Australia. So I interviewed this, <laughs> this lady yesterday that was unbelievable uh, candidate for a new assistant. And she said, I came to know about your ministry through Moms of Men. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah, yeah it, it was it was so spontaneous. And we just kind of thought, let's throw it out there and see what people do. And it was, you know, really, I think, um, you know, people, raising boys are unique. Again, that's not the topic we're going to talk about today. But raising boys, you have some godly men, now married. You had two weddings this year. Which oh my is a full year for you guys. Yeah, we're uh, in the fall. Oh, last year. That's right. Lisa, I'm like Lisa and, I, Lisa and I were booked to the hilt. I mean, <laughs> I was in South Africa twice, in Europe, oh two places in Asia, Middle East, and then they go, "We want to get married this fall" because they both got <laughs> engaged within four days of each other last summer, and we we're like we don't have any weekends open, and so we had one son had to get married on a Monday night. It yeah. Was crazy. It's so awesome. What good? I mean, you know what's funny is we pray, we pray, we pray, and then all of a sudden the miracles come at the same time. And yeah. I know. I know. Oh so gosh. there's one Bevere boy left for those of you single ladies that are uh, listening. I here. know, and I keep telling him, I said, don't you dare get married or date anybody. You're like the hottest commodity in the uh, Christian world right now. So just <laughs> leave it like that. That is so <laughs> funny. And you know, I can laugh about it because he has got such a humble attitude. He and does. He, he really does. He's absolutely, I mean, girls think he's gorgeous and <laughs> clueless to it. He's just so interested in people. He's he's probably um, one of the most gifted social men I've ever met in my yeah. life. You know, yeah. so Alec is definitely amazing. I would agree with that. And he just has a way of pulling you in. And there's no one that tells better stories than Alec. So I'm oh, one of those where I just want to sit and hear him tell a story. He's that oh guy. God. He's like, <laughs> 
you know, he gets up to preach and I'm like, just tell stories, just tell stories. That's true. Lisa's totally like that. Well, I'm really excited you're here today, John, because this is really the launch of a brand new book that you are resourcing the body of Christ with. And it's called God, Where Are You? Which just reading the title is like, oh, yes, we need to, we need to answer this question. Uh, but I'm just really excited about um, this, this resource. And I guess I'm curious, like, obviously you've written a lot of books. How many books have you written? This is number 21. Only 21. Only yes. 21. <laughs> Only. I wish you would apply yourself, John. Um, uh, I, know. I need to be like <laughs> you. I need to be self-discipling more diligently. <laughs> That's right. So 21 books. And now you write this book called God, Where Are You? And immediately when I started seeing some of the information about this book, and obviously it's launched, it's ready. You can purchase it on Amazon. But what I really love about this is the, the topic of the wilderness and the idea that God oftentimes takes us into different seasons. And one of those seasons is the wilderness season. So I'm curious, how did you decide to write this book and kind of what started the conversation in your own heart? Well, Havila, you know, when I got saved, I went to work for a church uh, in the early 1980s. Um, we had 450 paid staff members and I was the executive assistant to the pastor. And uh, we had a wall. There were so many miracles that happened in our church. It was crazy. I mean, uh, wheelchairs up on the wall. There were walkers up in the wall. I remember the Ku Klux Klan grand wizard snuck into a service one night. He was going to take his life mm. if God didn't prove himself real. The pa- you know, there's a 4,000-seat auditorium. The pastor's walking down the, whole, hall, jo- or the, the aisle joking, all that, and turns to the guy and reads his mail. He says, you're in the Klan. And I mean, it was amazing. I watched a guy with a red and white walking cane come walking in and um, literally blind. And I knew it wasn't a fake or phony because I'm the pastor's executive assistant. And he walked out. I remember there was an ambulance that backed up in one of our services and the paramedics pulled pulled out. This guy wheeled him down and um, just literally the guy gets healed. He had 24 hours left to live and pushed his bed out. Jesus oh. appeared in the sanctuary and uh, about 850, because we had, you know, one whole wing of a balcony. We, it was packed. We had 4,000 people in the building, but literally 800 people saw him. It was a split second, and he left an imprint of his face on the wall that looked like the Shroud of Turan and, and stayed there, stayed there for literally a year and a half and just phased out. And so wow. I'm thinking... This is normal Christianity, right? This is just everybody. But, you know, God spoke to me and he said, I've given a thimble full of my power to the church. And he said, son, I've done this to see how they will handle it. And he said, but it's going to lift. And I thought this was just normal Christianity. And God spoke to me and he said, son, I've given a thimble full of my power to the church. And he said to see how she'd handle it. And obviously we didn't handle it well because because one of my jobs was I picked up guest speakers and, you know, and, and this is none of this is in the book. This this I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying what motivated this and I'll get to the point. But, you know, half of, probably half, 40 percent to half of those ministers that those amazing miracles happen through aren't even in ministry today. I mean, our own church, the building had to be uh, imploded because it had black mold. Our pastor is not even in the ministry anymore today. Mm-hmm. And um, God said to me, he said, I'm going to bring my church in the wilderness to develop her character. 
And then when she comes out, my, my church will see the greatest move of the spirit of God the earth has ever seen. Yeah. Now that was, you know, 25 years ago. And I am sensing in my heart prophetically, the church is about to come out, but something God showed me is the greatest attack against us comes at the very end of the wilderness. If you look at David, God says, you're going to be king. That's the promise, right? Mm -hmm. Then he goes through the process. That's the wilderness. He's living in caves and deserts. But it was at the very end, that is when Ziglag got attacked. He lost his wives and children, all of his men. They wanted to stone him. That was his greatest attack. And I really felt like there are so many. And if you're listening to me right now, you've been going, God, where are you? Where are you? you? It seems like I'm going backwards from the promises you've made to me. It seems like you're nowhere, you know, your presence is nowhere to be found like it used to be in my life. And you're coming, I believe, prophetically, the whole church and individuals are coming to the end of this, this, this wilderness season because Jesus goes into the desert. He, God says, you're my son. I'm pleased with you. But then the spirit of God leads him into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And it was at the end of the 40 days that the massive temptations came. The whole 40 days he was tempted, the Bible says. But this is when the massive one came, when the enemy was like, just give up. Just give up. You're the son of God. Make this thing into bread. Yeah. So, you know, but he returned. When he came out of the wilderness, he came in the power. He came, the Bible says he went in filled with the spirit, but he returned in the power of the spirit. And so I sense that so many people are at the very end of their wilderness and the greatest attack's going to come. And what we need is tools and wisdom to overcome like David had to have, uh, encourage himself in the Lord to overcome. So. That's why I felt now is the time, now is the time to release this message. But basically, the wilderness is when God's presence seems like he's a million miles away, and, is, and the promises he's made to us are even further. If you look at Joseph, you're going to be a leader, but then, you know, when he, when he shows up on the scene, he's a bit of a bragger, he's a bit of a tattletale, he's talking down to his brothers, but when he goes through this wilderness, and it's it's pit slavery dungeon. We all know that. He comes out of it and he comes out of it now with the character to handle that position that God wanted to put him in. There's promotion. That was his promotion. So it goes promise, process, promotion. And a lot of us, God wants to put us into places of influence, but we need the character. And that's what the purpose of the wilderness. So it looks like he's going backwards. You know, it seems like God made me this promise of leadership. My brothers are going to serve me. And he's just going backwards. He's going pit slavery dungeon. And it's at the end of his wilderness that the greatest attack came against him. It wasn't really attack. It was the greatest test. And what was the test? Well, God brings a butler and a baker. And the test is, can Joseph, can Joseph proclaim to the butler and baker the faithfulness of God when he hasn't seen any evidence of it in his own life in 12 years. Now, what do I mean by any evidence? God said, you're going to be a leader and your brother's going to serve you. Well, he's in a dungeon to die. I mean, he's, he's put there to rot because he's been accused of raping his master, one of the king's officers' wives. So he's going backwards. And, you know, if Joseph would have been like a lot of people, he would have said to the butler and baker, you had a dream? <laughs> leave me alone. I had a dream 12 years ago. Dreams don't come true. God doesn't answer dreams. If he would have done that, he would have died in the dungeon saying God's not faithful. When in reality, he was faithful. 
So the, 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 the thing to do is when it seems like God's not coming through in our life, he is working. He's not abandoned us. He's not put us on a shelf. He is not wasting our time because God is the one that commands us to redeem the time. What he's doing, he's working on our behalf. If you look at uh, Job, Job said, I go forward. He's not there. I go backward. I can't perceive him. But when he's working on my left hand. So God was working on Job's behalf, but it didn't seem like he was. So that I know there's so many people out there, Havila, right now. They're like, God, it seems like you're doing nothing in my life. I've been put on a shelf. I've been left here to rot. I'm not doing any anything in, in regard to what you promised me. No, that's not true. He is working in our life, and we need to know that. Yeah. I love it because what you're doing is you're giving people hope that even if they can't see anything, he's still at work. But what you're also doing is showing that God isn't, I always say God isn't raising grandkids, he's raising children. And grandkids get given what they want often. But with children, <laughs> adult, you know, parents want to give so kids good. the ability to be a sustainable adult, a healthy adult, a, a contributor to society in a healthy way. So they know that it requires training and discipline and a season where, uh, almost as if uh, responsibility can be given slowly. I think about this in our walk with Christ and what you're saying, which I think is profound, is you're saying there is a process to maturity. There's a process to equipping and character. And often when it's the darkest, is what you're saying, uh, it doesn't mean that the light's gone out. It means that there's going to be a light, but you need to hang on and you're building muscles you would not build unless you're being stretched like this. Is that That's exactly saying? right. Yeah. That's exactly right. We build those spiritual muscles. And, you know, I remember when Addison, he's our firstborn, and, you know, you're observing a lot because you're a dad and you're first, you know, this is your firstborn son. Yeah. But I remember, you know, every, every whimper, every cry, God's presence was there. I mean, oh my God, I, excuse me, every whimper, every cry, his mother's presence or my presence was there. Yeah. Just, you know, just there, there. But then the day came when we had to let him teach him, we had to teach him how to feed himself. So I remember the first day, and, and it's still vivid in my memory. There is half the food is on his high chair and on the floor. He is so frustrated, and he's looking at us like, why aren't you feeding me? Well, the truth of the matter is we didn't want an 18-year-old son that we had to still spoon feed. <laughs> yes. And this is yes. what happens with us with God. We're like, you know, I remember when I first got saved, Havilah, oh, my gosh. I just would whisper the name of Jesus and I'm in tears and his presence is there. And I'm like, Oh, this is so wonderful. And I'm thinking this is going to be the rest of my life. And yet the day came when I went into that first wilderness, it was an 18 month experience. I'll never forget it. And it was like, God, what's going on? And I, I, I kept saying, what sin have I committed? What have I done to offend God? Yeah. And yet there was nothing I had done. It was like, God, was saying, I'm ready for you to take a first major leap of your spiritual growth. Yeah. I remember before that happened, you know, when I was a baby Christian, my cassette player, I know all of us have no idea what cassettes are. They're dinosaurs. <laughs> I get it. But I had a cassette player in my car and it broke. And I was so frustrated because I didn't have the money or the time to fix it. And I remember, you know, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I laid hands on my cassette player and got <laughs> it. He fixed it. Come on. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. So, you know, I mean, and then when that time came, you're just like, God, you've abandoned me. Where are you? What, what sin did I commit? No, yeah. I didn't sin. It was God was bringing me in the first level of growth. 
And I totally agree. I remember as a young woman teaching a series called When God Hides Himself. And it was my wilderness season where I was trying to deal with the fact that God was, it wasn't that he was separating himself, but he was definitely trying to get me to move forward. And if he met me where I was, I would stay where I was. So I had to, he had to kind of move further back. So I would walk towards him. But I'm curious, do you find even as a leader and um, as someone who's been in the body of Christ for decades, do you find that, that the wilderness comes uh, through a pro- over and over, or does it just happen one time? How does it work in our lives? So the Bible says that John the Baptist was in the deserts, right, until okay. the day of his manifestation to Israel. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to John in the desert. So I, I talk specifically about this book. I have gone through many wildernesses. And yeah. anytime I go through a wilderness— I know it's a time of growth. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of strengthening. It's a time of purification. Uh, Havla, I'll be really honest with you. I went through a major wilderness um, the end of 2017 and yeah. uh, a good part of 2018. And I know what God, I, I see, here's the thing in the book. I, I say this in, in the introduction. I've gone through several wilderness seasons in my walk with Jesus. Okay. Every, but the ones where I was the most confused and asked the most questions were the first two. Because wow. the first one I went through was an 18-month one. And then the second one that I went through, it made the first one look like a picnic. <laughs> I remember that one. I was crying out and asking so many questions because my, my boss wanted to destroy my life. He literally was set to destroy me. And I had done nothing wrong. All I do, was doing was pre- pre- preaching holiness as a youth pastor to my youth group and his dad was my boss one of the kids dads was my boss one of the kids his dad was my boss yeah and he literally set himself to destroy my life he marred my reputation he slandered my name and uh the thing is i watched god restore everything he was fired on one day because he was embezzling from the church and i was restored but that was after an 18 months of what seemed like a hell on earth yeah. And um, in those first two was when I had most of the questions. And that's when God started answering from, from the word of God. So I don't, I don't talk a lot about the questions I was crying out in later wildernesses experiences yeah. because I knew what was happening, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you sense, like, do you feel that there are things that uh, it's almost like a, when you go into a storm on a boat, you know, you got to hold on and you know, this is all part. It's like, I almost want to say also like when you're taking off on an airplane, you know, you know, here's the signs, the two beeps mean get in your seat and here, and you can feel the airplane taking off. And the more you fly, which you fly all over the world, you understand, you kind of get in this rhythm of knowing what's going to happen. And there's some, there's signs. And I think about that with the wilderness, you're saying there are moments where they're the same questions, the same concerns, the same wonderings, but you got to hang on. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm saying that through experience, I under, you know, the experience of the earlier ones taught me how to hang on for the next ones. That's an excellent example you gave. So when I hear, I know, Hey, John, get the seatbelt on. Uh, I I don't even have to look up. I don't even have to, you know, I I have flown 12, over 12 million miles. I don't even have to look up at the (laughs) seatbelt sign. I hear that little beep, you know, when I hear two two beeps, I know, Hey, the captain wants to talk to the person. Uh You know, flight attendants laugh, you know, they laugh. They're like, you, you could probably get up and do this, this, the safety speech better than me, you know? And, and 
So yes, <laughs> there is, you get experience and it produces hope. And I have a lot of, hope. I'm going through a really dry season, like the 2017, 2018 yeah. one. I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. So there's a lot of hope in me because I know what's at the other end of it. I've watched the great blessing and promotion and favor of God that's come on my life after yeah. I have half properly handled yeah. a wilderness season. And properly so handled a wilderness season. That is, that's brilliant. Properly handle. There's a way you have to properly handle it or what you end up with scars. You end up hopeless. You end up. Well, you, okay, so let, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Joseph properly handled his wilderness season. He was promoted into the dream that God, but if you look at the children of Israel, God intended for them to be in the desert for one year. He intended that. After a lot of careful study, I discovered that one day, and I was like, wow, okay, I get it. So you can't shorten your wilderness season, but you can sure lengthen it. And the way they lengthen it is they didn't properly handle it. They complained. Now, one day I said, God, complaining, you know, that's one of the, you know, they, there was the big five of 1 Corinthians 10, right? There's adult uh, sexual immorality, tempting Christ, idolatry. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember. But they're they're huge. They're big, massive sins, right? And then the fifth one is complaining. And I'm like, God, you like lump complaining in with idolatry and tempting Christ? (laughs) I said, why is complaining so bad? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I will never forget this. He said, complaining is an insult to my character. Complaining says to me. That's tweetable. Complaining is a character. Listen to me. I haven't finished. It gets even better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> complaining, complaining says to me, God, I don't like what you're doing in my life right now. And if I were you, I would do it differently. Yeah. And I went, oh my goodness. And that's why I then saw complaining to be just as severe as sexual immorality and idolatry. And, and really, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness, and I think complaining is is what opens the door to where we begin to build a root. And I think roots, you know, the Bible's really, really tells us clearly about the root of bitterness. And I think that's really where the danger of the wilderness happens, because if we don't, like you said, almost um, go through the wilderness in a proper or healthy way, we'll end up with grooves in our own spiritual life and really lies and misconceptions that we'll end up passing on to other people because we prolonged our wilderness because we didn't process it right. And yeah, yeah right. I mean, how many, I know you, you and I both minister to the church and I find often with people, I'll have a conversation with them and I'll think, I'll listen to their story and I'll think you have prolonged your wilderness because you won't surrender. You won't humble yourself. You won't uh, learn, you know, you're going around the mountain again and I love you, but you're, you're making life. So you're working too hard. You don't have to work this hard. Uh, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't need to stop there. You need to keep walking and people really sit and hang out there. You know, I had a meeting with someone yesterday that, uh, worked very high level in a church that, um, was huge national prominence. And, I said to this person after talking for some time, I said, you have a clear spirit and I know what you went through. Yeah. And that person smiled and said, yep, it took a lot of intentional 
allowing the Holy Spirit to probe my heart. But, you know, Havla, I've seen people work for churches like that, and they have a bit of root, as you said. And they now are cynical. They're now jaded. And it's because they didn't handle their wilderness season correctly. And I look at, I love 1 Chronicles 12, 15. It says, the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times, so they knew what Israel ought to do. And when you understand the time of the wilderness, you then know the proper behavior. Yeah, if, come on. If, if I'm, if, let, let's say, let's say, you know, somebody from the South, they, they go, oh, my dreams to go to Colorado skiing, right? So they fly up here. They got their brand new snowboard. They got all their, their gear on. They got their goggles, everything. They get on the chairlift. They, they ride up the chairlift and they jump off the chairlift only to fall flat on their face. Yeah. Why? Because it's summertime. There's no snow on the, on the mountain. Mm. And, you know, what would have been beneficial behavior in the wintertime, they would have gotten down that mountain, you know, in 60 seconds. Right. You know, 60 seconds to two minutes in the wintertime. Now they've got to basically carry all this gear down the mountain in the summertime. So proper behavior in the wrong season can end up being detrimental. Yeah. And when, when we have understanding, we know the proper behavior. And, and that's the big thing. You know, the Bible says, get understanding. It, it tells us, get it. It does. This, this is what the Holy Spirit keeps reverberating through my heart about this book. This book is going to give my children understanding to have the proper behavior in the season of the wilderness. It's incredible. I, you know, you mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about how you felt like the church was at this moment in time where we're in the wilderness, we are being pulled back and that our potential or our promise is coming. Do you feel that the church is, doesn't know how to steward the wilderness right now? And this is why there's complaining or disconnect or breaches in relationship or people are walking away from communities because the wilderness, they don't realize that it's a part of God's plan for them. Yeah. And also let me add one more thing to what you accurately said. There's a bunch of Ishmael's being birthed. Wow. So in other words, okay, let's talk about an Ishmael. Yeah. God made a promise to Abraham when he was 75 and God said to him, it's not Eliezer who's the heir of your household. It is a son that will come from your loins. He didn't say a word about Sarah. But mm-hmm. after 11 years of nothing, Sarah said, come on, let's get moving on this. God said you were going to have a son. Marry my, my servant. And of course, Ishmael was born. And God said, okay, they think they can do this in their own ability, in their own strength. I'm going to wait until he's reproductively dead. Not just Sarah, him. Wow. That's what Roman said. Wow. He didn't the deadness of his own body. Yes. He said, because I am not, and this is, this is what God says, I am not going to allow you to birth what I promised to you. Because if you do, then we have to share the glory. And God says, I'm not Come sharing on. the glory with anybody. That's right. So, so what also happens, not just, discour- not just discouragement and complaining, you also get people that try to birth Ishmael's and Ishmael's are not the heirs of the promise. So there are going to be Ishmael ministries and there's going to be Isaac ministries. And God showed me this one day. Wow. Do you want an Ishmael ministry? Because he said, if you, you can do it. 
Right. And he said, it is a promise. I've called you to preach. He said, if you do it, you're going to have to provide for it because what's birthed in the flesh has to be provided for by the flesh. But he said, what's birthed in the spirit, he said, the spirit provides for. And can I tell you, you know, that was tough yeah. for me because I'm watching my friends and my friends are like being promoted. They're going forward. They're, they're doing, they're, they're, they're doing well, not, you know, and I'm like, oh my, you know, what am I doing? I, totally. I, and yet I knew that God was saying, no, you're going to serve now. You're not to birth your ministry. And some of those friends that I watched go forward and I knew they were, I knew Havila yeah. that they were making it happen. I, I've never heard from them since. And that was 30 years ago. Yeah. And yet I felt they were more gifted than me. They were more talented than me and they should have gone much further. But you know, it's, 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 God said that prophetic word, cast out the bondwoman with her son, for the son of the flesh will not be error with the son of the promise. Yeah. And so it's just an encouragement to say, hey, you're, some of you, yeah, are going to have a discouragement, the temptation. Most people will. But some people who are very aggressive, yeah. they're going to be tempted with the, uh, to, to, to birth an Ishmael. Yeah. So. I mean, again, that's that's wrong behavior in the wrong season. And right. so I just want to see people. I want to see everyone. I want to see them receive that promise from heaven. I mean, Havilah, yeah. why is it that your ministry is growing so fast? I mean, Havilah, there's, there's people out there that are just as good at communicators as better, you. Better, better, much better. Okay, I didn't want to say that, but I'm going to let you say that. But, but why is it that God is just causing this ministry of yours to explode? Because I can already tell you, you were a girl that probably was tempted, a lady. I'm sorry, I, I was called No, no, lady. I was. I was a girl when I started. Okay, so you were a girl that was tempted to make it happen on your own. But right. somehow the spirit of God was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then that day came when the spirit of God said, now go. Yep. And, you know, Jesus came out of that, that, that desert time in the power. And you came out of whatever your wilderness time was. Because yeah. I know you could teach this just as easily as I could. And you came out of that time. And now you have, you know, I love what James says, blessed is a man or woman who endures temptation and tests for they shall receive the crown of life. Crown speaks of authority. Yes, there's going to be a crown in heaven, but I think it's talking about this life. Crown speaks of authority, and with authority comes power. Jesus goes into the desert, filled with the Spirit, comes out in the power of. Why? He endured the temptation and the tests of the wilderness. Now he's got the authority. He didn't get a free ride. It's not yeah. like Jesus got a free ride and we don't. Right. Jesus had to go through everything we have to go through. It does. And it says that clearly he does. He did everything we did. I think what's really interesting, and this is something that you have to get a hold of, is you have to understand that you, the promises and the purpose of God is where life is fulfilled and where we begin to know that we're living exactly as we're called to live on the earth. So what you're saying is, is if you don't steward the wilderness properly, you will be, you don't understand what the promise holds. Because it, you'll, you know, you'll do anything. I remember um, as a young woman, I was invited to be a pastor at Bethel Church at 19. And they came down, asked my dad, hey, can Havla come up? We wanted to be a pastor at Bethel Church. And I knew I wasn't ready. I knew that wasn't the season. And I remember 
saying, no, I can't, I, I can't do it. It's not time. I'm, I, God really told me to sit and serve my parents. We were birthing a church. Um, I was going to do everything from clean toilets to answer phones. And, and it was so funny because Bethel, of course, it, gosh, it didn't turn into anything other than a worldwide ministry and exploded out of every seam of the building. And here I was setting up church every single week by my, you know, with my small team doing exactly what God called me to do. And sometimes the Ishmael is that we know we can make something happen. It's like the girl that goes out and gets married because she wants to be married and then doesn't understand why marriage is so tough. And you're saying, yeah, anybody could get married. Anybody could have a kid. Anybody could start a blog. Anybody could write a book, but you want God's hand on it. And I look back now at Bethel, you know, it took me almost 20 years later and now invited and now have such a, a beautiful relationship with this community. And it's been really a launching place for my life. It took many years of having to navigate when you feel like you're going the opposite direction. I think the enemy holds over us the lie that we missed God when things get hard. Okay, I'm just standing here with my mouth open. Right now. <laughs> and, and let me tell you why. Because my church came to me and said, we really want you to be a pastor. And I felt wow. uncomfortable after a weekend of fasting and praying. I came back and I said, I feel like if I do this, I'll be taking Saul's armor. Yeah. And I turned it down and people thought I was nuts. Okay, because mm -hmm. this was the most prominent church in the United States in the 1980s, early 1980s. Yeah. And people thought I was nuts, but I knew God was like, this isn't me, this isn't me. And then T.L. Osborne, who was like my hero, he had led 62 million people to the Lord in his crusades in Africa. And he offered me a position and God said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And people thought I was nuts again. And yet, let, let, me, let me tell you what just went through my mind when you said that. It was Sarah who encouraged Abraham to do it. It wasn't wow. Abraham. It was Sarah. And yet, Abraham did it and had an Ishmael. And I'm thinking... Wow. A lot of times the encouragement to promote to promote yourself or yes. to accept a promotion when it's not God's time yet will come from somebody else. That's right. And often when they have their own issues of fear, their own issues of wanting God to promote them, they will often try to get you to step out. And I, that's what I thought in my own life. I, I don't know, if, you know, but in my own life, I find there are many times people will counsel me out of their own pain, out of their own desire, out of their own ambition. And I'm going, that's great. But at the end of the day, I have to steward my own internal world. And that, honestly, if we do that well, that will take most of our energy to steward our heart, mind, will, and surrender and have him Lord of our life. It takes a lot of focus and connection. And, and I just think people, oftentimes, uh, they don't want to see you in pain. And so they want to kind of get you out of it. I, I remember one right. time, John, I was, this is kind of like a, a bit of a side thought, but at one point uh, the prophetic has been very key in my life. And I have had, the prophetic has been one of the most propelling forces in my life, but also one of the most painful parts of my life. And I remember going to God in the wilderness and saying, God, you prophesied this, you said this. And it felt like this was what God was doing. And then it just, the door shut, what happened? And the Lord really spoke to me and said, there's a difference between the prophetic and discernment. And some people will see your life and they will discern pain. They'll just discern a, a heart to do something. It's like the girl that wants to get married and everyone's saying, your husband's around the corner. They may not have heard that from God, but they see the pain. Or, hey, the person is trying to get pregnant. Well, your baby's coming. Well, they want that to happen. 
So they're going to prophesy out of the pain, but what they're doing is they're discerning the heart. And this is what's really critical that we understand what God is doing because often it's our immaturity that wants to prophesy somebody out of pain instead of letting them live in the process and realizing that when God wants to do something in their life, they will. It's the same that's happening in the body of Christ right now. There's a lot of people prophesying a lot of, of momentum and this is what God's doing. And, we, and what you're saying is, no, it's not yet, guys. We are still, we're still stewarding the wilderness in our lives. There'll be promise, but we've got to be careful we don't try to get people out of the process. I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And I, I think it's the empathy. It's yeah. our compassion. Yeah. But think about it. When, what is real, true compassion? Is it giving somebody... Uh, an opportunity to birth an Ishmael or alleviating somebody from the pain that's actually going to bring the purification or actually causing a person to go around the mountain again, or is true love saying, I know it's, I know it's rough, but God is preparing you for something great. And it's not, you know, we always want to give hope to people that are in pain, but we don't want to give false hope. And, and, and I would just say, you know, the scripture that just came into my heart was this, while you were talking, was Psalm 31, where it says, my times are in your hand. Yeah. So the psalmist says, says that, that our times, as far as the, our seasons of our life, are in God's hands. And even Jesus said, it's not for you to question the time or the season that the Father's put in his own authority. So there's one thing all of us have to realize is seasons and times are in God's hands. And if we try to shorten the season before God has determined the season is to be shortened, we open up a person to actually create, create problems, whether it's let down uh, false hope that always sets a person up for a letdown. And so I think it's very important that unless God almighty speaks to us, because I know you as a prophetess, this happens a lot. God will give you periodically He'll give you a season. And that's true. You'll see prophets in the Bible. By this time next year, you'll have a baby in your arms. God gave that to them, to him. Okay. And, but if God doesn't give it, we feel the pressure because we see, see the pain. Yep. And so very important, especially prophetic people that we understand the season of the wilderness. That's right. You know, because what is our strength, empathy, compassion, love, will end up turning around and being a weakness if it's not coupled with wisdom and understanding. That's right. And and one thing you're saying, John, which I think, honestly, this is just so brilliant. I hope that our, our community is leaning in because this is, is critical. But we can't, you know, studies have done, science, scientific studies have been proved that you can't build self-esteem by telling someone to be confident or to have self-esteem. The only way to build self-esteem is through the struggle. It's to know that you went through something and you did it and you didn't die. (laughs) And what you're saying is, is that God is saying, you can't become the people you're called to be. And I can't just tell you you're a people of promise. I can't just tell you that you've got purpose. I can't just tell you that you're going to make it. You're going to have to actually walk through it so you can have something that no one else can take from you. And this is why this book is critical in our, in our generation and community. And I'm so grateful that you wrote this book because we need, we need to know that there's a plan in the pain and there's a plan in the wilderness and they're not doing something wrong because 
we all know that that was part of the lie. We were doing something wrong and that's why we're not experiencing God in that way. And it's not true, but also the warning of the Ishmael's, how to steward our wilderness, how to know the signs of a wilderness, how to know what to, you know, what, what to talk to God about in the wilderness. I mean, all of these things are critical. And then on top of that, what season is the church in? I mean, this book is so necessary, John. I'm, I'm really, really, um, I'm just compelled with this sense of urgency. Like everyone needs this book. They need to read this book. Well, Havila, I just, I'm believing with all my heart, it's going to bring hope and answers. Um, I will say that I spoke to 3,300 people that, uh, just two days ago or this yeah. past Sunday and uh, three days ago. I'm days are blurring. <laughs> uh, but do you know that the amount of tears I heard as I was preaching was just mind blowing? And wow. I, will, I will say, you know, you could hear the sobs, right? And uh, I will say so many people came up to me uh, and said, John, this is exactly where I'm at. And this has brought me so much hope and answers. And also the reviews that we're getting on the book initially, um, we've gotten in, we've gotten in about, or well, I say Amazon and us, we've gotten in about a couple hundred reviews already. And um, they're all saying exactly what those people said at that church. So it's my, my deep, deep hope. You know, I've got that kind of father's heart. I turned six years and I, I just really, I just love people in the body of Christ so much. And I wasn't always that way. I was a young, energetic young man at, that was so more concerned about the mission than I was people. And I, you know, that's, that's <laughs> one of the wildernesses sure took that out of me, but yeah. now I, I really don't want to see people confused. I don't want to see them frustrated. I don't want to see them get bitter and cynical and jaded. It's just a passion right now. So I, like um, I, I really hope that that's what the Holy spirit does with this book. Yeah. And I hope it gets in everybody's hands. I do too. And I just want to thank you, John, for writing the books that we need, not just the ones we want. And I think that's really critical, specifically of a heart of a father that says, you're going to need this to go where you're called to go. And, uh, you know, I just sense that so deeply. And I, I just want to thank you. I know the road hasn't been easy. And, you know, it is humbling to talk about wilderness seasons. It's humbling to talk about questions. It's humbling to say, I didn't know what to do. And for you to write these words, uh, the lives are going to be changed. People are going to come back to believing that God has a purpose for their life. And it really is, it's just really powerful. So I want to thank you for for giving your life to this. I I can't imagine the world without you and Lisa and your family. You are a gift to anybody who knows you. You and I both know it's all the grace of God. That's true. Yes. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't a gift to anybody before the grace of God. (laughs) Okay. So where can people find this book, John? Well, you know, Amazon's easy. They can go to Messenger International or they can go, I mean, there's a, I think most of the airport stores are carrying them. Come on. It's a noble. They can go to, um, uh, what's that, that store that uh, are owned by the Greens. Oh my gosh, John. Come uh, on. Oh my gosh, I'm Hobby trying to Lobby. think. Hobby Lobby. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And then most, almost every Christian bookstore and even uh, secular bookstores That's covering so it. So cool. It, it reaches pretty good. So, um, no, I have to ask. No, the easiest way is just click on Amazon, and yeah. all of a sudden you've got it downloaded, or it's at your house two days later if you're a Prime member. So, so true. Okay, yeah. I have to ask you: Are you going to do a course on this? Uh, already have. <laughs> you already, already have. have. <laughs> it, it's called it's called the wilderness, 
Come and on. he actually did it before the book came out. The, I was going to say, I saw that one. That's what I was curious about this. Yeah, three months ago. And what we've discovered, <laughs> we've discovered this that, <laughs> um, the hard way, that if I name a course exactly the title of the book, people don't get it. That's and true. Yet, I will say in the wilderness course, though it is similar material, there is a lot in the wilderness course I didn't put in the book, and there's a lot in the book that I didn't put in the course. So the two, I tried to do it so that the two would really bring bring a complete package. So that. yeah, they can go to you would go to Messenger International for that to get the wilderness course. Yeah, I love that, and and really, um, you know, it's you can only communicate so much in a book. You really need to be able to hear it preached, and you need the whole kind of full meal deal. So that's I encourage anybody who's listening to this go do both. Go get the wilderness course. And obviously get the book and this will be on your library. It's so fun for me to talk to somebody who understands that. <laughs> you do. No, it, it, no exactly. It, it's like the parent person who hasn't parented yet and you explain your kids. It's like, I love you, but I'm not interested. Unless yeah. you have a limp, I'm not interested. Um, specifically when it comes to this. So, uh, John, I love you. Uh, please, you know, we, we pray for Messenger. Anyone can find you at Messenger International as well. There's lots of resources and books and courses and super excited. I also want to say this, this is like that thing we talked about, but your kids are also, you guys launched sons and daughters and that is very exciting as well. They can follow. It's your sons and their wives and some other people on the team, right? I assume it's a couple other people. Yeah, a couple of people on the team, but it's it's really, really refreshing to hear these young people having so much fun, but yet communicating an uncompromised message in the fun. And it's just, I'm so proud of them. I know, I love it. It's just another glimpse of what your home has been like. So I love you guys so much. Have a great day, John. And okay. um, I'm so glad you're on this podcast and um, come back. Will you come back? Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> Lisa and I, we love you and Ben so deeply. So we're so proud of you. Thank you for being such pure instruments that God is using in the, in, in the earth today. And you truly are a gift to the body of Christ. We love you. Have a great day, John. Bye now. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that really blessed your life. I hope that everything God was trying to get to you, you grabbed a hold of. Again, don't forget to give me a shout out on the socials. I'm there almost every day. And if this podcast really spoke to you, would you consider leaving a review so others can find this podcast and as well as some stars? I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.